happy Wednesday, everyone. Welcome to the Saratoga podcast. Hey, Adam. Hey, Dan. Hello. How you both doing? I just ate a giant plate of spaghetti, so I'm going to go to sleep on you guys in five minutes. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> that is totally random and not at all what I expected you to say. Uh, Adam, I really hope you haven't just carbo-loaded and are ready to take a nap today. No, no. Actually, I had some avocado toast, so I'm good. Oh, man. We're we're opposite ends of that uh, food. Uh, nutrition <laughs> I'm, I'm basically drinking Diet Coke and eating sugar, so we've really got it all covered between the three of us. All yeah. right. So you guys, we've got a lot to jump into, and we've got John Coffin coming on as a special guest today to talk about some of the city issues that he covers on his blog, Saratoga Springs Politics. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to talk about right up um, at the top of the show today were some of the issues that are going on in the Saratoga Springs Fire Department. And I don't know if you guys have been following this at all, but it's something that's been kind of like just percolating. Um kind of just under the radar a little bit. There's been a couple articles about it and um, it's coming to a bit of a head. And I, again, I don't know if you all have been following it, but it's been really disturbing for me to watch and witness. Um, do you all know the story I'm talking about for starters? Yeah, uh, so it's a two-part story, right? That uh, some, some disciplinary action against the chief for allegedly uh, uh, working for two departments and now the fire union is, is getting involved. Is that, is the, the, are the, do I, do I understand so, the, so, the two dynamics there? So basically what happened, the initial news story was maybe eight or 10 weeks ago. And it's kind of a classic Jim Montanino moment because we've talked about Jim a lot on this podcast and we've talked about the way he goes about investigating potential complaints when it comes to employees in the public safety department. And I think we can all agree that he makes a lot of missteps when he does this in that when someone comes to him or when it, you know, when it comes to his attention in any which way that there might be a complaint having to do with one of his employees, or if he suspects wrongdoing with one of his employees, instead of conducting an investigation and determining if that claim is true or not true, the first thing he does is go to the media and he tells the media that he's going to be doing an investigation on such and such for, you know, whatever suspected reason. And right off the bat, that employee is then, their reputation is immediately called into question. And so that is something he did in this instance. Right away, he went to the media, I think about, I want to say literally almost 10 weeks ago, saying that he was going to be launching an investigation into Chief Joe Dolan. Um, and he referenced some kind of vague accusations and right away, I was really upset because we've seen this pattern before where he takes employees who have sterling reputations, who have spent their entire lives serving our city, who, uh, whose integrity has never been called into question. And simply by going to the press and saying he's doing an investigation, he has tainted their reputation. And we don't even know if there's something that's worthy of investigation. And so I think right away, I was really upset by his approach. And in the past, when he's done this, we've really seen that the employee in question has oftentimes just decided to retire simply because he's made that first move to go to the media. And they just don't want to have to deal with the harassment and, you know, the press and everything that go all that negativity that goes along with having the commissioner breathing down your neck, going to the media and calling your integrity into question. And as this, so he was put on administrative uh, paid leave. And so for several weeks, um, you know, this alleged investigation was going on. Um, in the meantime, 
I know personally from having worked with uh, the firefighters union and with Joe Dolan. And just to give a little context here, um, when we declared a state of emergency as a city during COVID, um, the city emergency management plan dictates that the two people who will be leading the emergency are the public safety commissioner and the, ch and the uh, chief of the fire department. So I worked hand in hand with Joe Dolan for months and months on end when it came to responding to the COVID crisis. And Joe was a relatively new chief when he, when he started, um, when, when I started. And so when I say I know Joe Dolan, you know, inside and out, I, I truly do. Um, not just because I was public safety commissioner when he was the chief of the fire department, but because we had to respond to this massive crisis together. I mean, I, I know him very, very well. Now, the first year of my term, James Morrow was the head of the firefighters union. We had an excellent relationship. Um, I never had any grievances filed uh, during that time um, with any union. And the second year of my term, Joe Brimhall took over as head of the firefighters union. And things took a really different uh, there was a very different dynamic in place with Joe Brimhall as the head of the firefighters union. Um, namely, the union with Joe Brimhall at the head of it was asking for a lot of things that we simply did not have the budget to cover. And when Joe Brimhall would come and ask for these things, I would explain as the commissioner that we had a finite budget. And as much as I would love to give him the things he was asking for, I did not see within the finite budget that we had, how would we, how we would be able to support those things financially. And I would say to him, if you can come back and show me how we can work this within the budget we have, like I would love to accommodate it. And every time I did that, I, he would not come back with the numbers to explain financially how we would be able to accomplish where he wanted to be. And so that's, that's how it went. Now, when a new commissioner was elected in, Jim Montnino, um, my understanding is that the union approached Jim Montnino the same way. And in this instance, Jim Montnino, and especially his deputy, Jason Titu, had a very strong relationship with the union and Joe Brimhall, and they agreed to everything the union was asking to asking for financially. And Sorry to interrupt you, Robin, but, but can you give a couple examples? Because this is an area I know so little about. Sure. I mean, I would say the number one example when I was the commissioner was they wanted to have four man engines. They wanted to run four men on a fire engine as opposed to three man engines. And especially as we were going into building the third station, four man engines were not something financially that was going to work within the budget we had. I mean, it was like very obvious. And Adam, you could maybe speak to this a little bit more because you looked at the finances of four man engines versus three man engines. And um, I, th I think you're you had the same read that I had, which was that it was not financially feasible. Oh, Adam just blacked out as I asked him that somewhat important question. He's there you are. Yeah, here I am. Uh, so, right, the, 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 the first uh, the difference in a three-man, oh, you lost me again, is is uh, the idea of, and, and Rob just told me that, two men in, two men out, right? So, you go, you, you know, if you're, if you're going into a fire, so it's, it's, it's one of safety. Being that uh, four four uh, uh, firefighters at a scene is uh, there's a, a, a higher level of safety for the firefighters ha each having a partner. Uh, the, the the downside of that is it's a huge expense for the city to have you know that just raised the 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 cost of, uh, you know I don't want to say twenty five percent but but you know you're going from three men to four men. Um, I know this that Robin one of the solutions to that is the city has a chase car. So if you yes. have a three man you know uh, uh, fire truck show up. You, you could have a fourth guy will be following in, in the, you know, in the Chevy trailblazer or whatever the, 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 the car is. Uh, 
that would make a four man engine that would that would work to alleviate that that issue between three man and four man um, uh, engines. The the firefighters would say, "Listen, this is I have to you know I I." As a firefighter, I'm putting my life on the line. I want to be as safe as possible. And I, you know, I have kids I have to go to home or whatnot. I can't put myself in danger. So it's a, it's a huge expense, but it's also one where, you know, safety is concerned. So um, it, it's, it, it, there's, it, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. It's a, it would be great to have four, four man engines. Uh, but like you said, Robin, it is a significant cost to something that, that, you know, major, and this is because of our good code enforcement. Major fires are rare in the city. We've, I've had, had been a part of, of two of them, and the firemen did a fantastic job um, with some old Victorian buildings my family owns. One of them was was not a total loss; it was completely. But in both instances, there were no casualties, and they were able to save one of uh, one of my family's buildings on Franklin Square, which is an old historic building. So, I, it, you know, to, to wrap it up, it is it's expensive, but it's about safety, and it's it's really uh, nobody knows what's driving this this grievance that the that the firefighters have with the well, chief. But this I think seems I, to be it. I th- I think yes, and I think I have kind of a sense of where it's coming from, but. Um, also, you know, your budget is set during the budget season for the year. So, you know, getting, adjusting that budget during the year is next to impossible. Getting extra funds during the year is next to impossible. You have what you have for the year. And so making a huge adjustment during the year is, it just doesn't happen. You have to work with the budget that you have. And so in August, 2021, um, Chief Dolan had three man engines, started running three man engines. And he had the data and analytics to show that it was working. Um, they were able to do it safely. And that's that's what happened. Now, when Commissioner Montanino came in, as I, as I said, he agreed to several of the union's uh, demands. Um, he, I guess, thought he could work it within his budget. Um, the chief pushed back. And I believe the chief really, really bruised uh, Jim Montanino's ego. And I think that um, Commissioner Montanino responded by by launching this investigation into Chief Dolan because he wants Chief Dolan out. And and this is how the commissioner responds when you challenge him. And so he launched this investigation to intimidate him and and hopefully push him out. And when Chief Dolan did not respond the way he wanted to by retiring, which is what all the other employees in public safety really have done when the commissioner has taken these steps against them, um, you know, he doubled down and he's, you know, he still hasn't brought any charges against the chief. Um, but the union then put, put themselves in a position where they really didn't have any other play left except to hold a vote of no confidence in chief Dolan. And that's what's happening right now. And I really think that's due to the fact that they've had, you know, the chief had a meeting with the commissioner. Um, he did not, again, you know, bow out. He did not go away the way the commissioner was hoping he would. He has not succumbed to the pressure of uh, the media scrutiny. He has not succumbed to the pressure of Commissioner Montanino, um, you know, making insinuations about his character or his, his integrity. He's really pushing back against that because, you know, he's a man of, he, Chief Dolan, the Chief Dolan that I know is truly a man of integrity and uh, honesty and has led the department in a way that every Saratogian should be proud of. And I well, let me wait, let me let me ask you a question. And, and yeah. Dan, maybe you can answer this one too. Is a a vote of no confidence is that purely symbolic, or does it carry with it any actionable um, actionable steps to it? it? From the union perspective, it could it could be vote of no confidence. And here's a lawsuit on this. 
particular issue. Reporter no confidence. Here's five grievances. It could, they, they could be coupled with other things, but there's generally as a standalone. Um, yeah, it's it's symbolic, but it can be a powerful symbolic, right? The press is reporting. He's he's already potentially down from this discipline. Then he gets the double whammy of the voter no confidence. So uh, officially, it does not have uh, a direct uh, ramification, but it very well could in the real world. I just have to say, too, that this is a really I when I left the fire department and left public safety, they were in really great shape. They were expanding rapidly. They were taking on the biggest class of new recruits we've ever had because we were staffing the third fire station. And so there's a ton of young firefighters who are just coming on board in the SSFD. And to have this kind of chaos be unleashed, um, you know, in the upper echelons of the fire department is truly a tragedy. And I, I don't understand to what end. And if you read some of the articles about this and some of the accusations that are being made against Chief Dolan, they're really nonsense. I mean, some of them are things like misusing his car that he has in this and an accusation that he has, you know, he does Homeland Security training and an accusation that he's been using his fire department vehicle to drive to Homeland Security training. And, you know, he uh, allegedly has, you know, all the receipts to show that that is not the case. But but an accusation like that, I mean, that's such a minor thing to rise to the level that it's risen to is just again, like it's just really, really unfortunate to have a dispute between the chief and the head of a union um, disrupt the, the functionality of the fire department and the morale of the fire department and the staffing of the fire department to this extent. It's just insane. And to have Commissioner Montanino kind of fan those flames by going to the media the way he does and trying to intimidate the chief the way he's trying to intimidate the chief, it's really just despicable. And, and it's really upsetting for someone like me to witness, given my proximity to that group, you know, so in such a short time ago. If, and if I, I could also, jump in, Robin. Yeah, go ahead. Um, the, uh, you know, I, again, I have the uh, advantage or disadvantage, however you look at it, that, that I don't know really... I don't have as much depth knowledge or relationship with, with any of these people to to understand what is going on. But we've got three dynamics here. First of all, I agree with you. It's so unfortunate. As if Saratoga Springs needs another high profile problem, especially yeah. with the fire department, which just about everybody, you know, loves. You know, the, yeah. the joke is when the police show up, the no one's happy. But when the fire department shows up, everyone's happy. You're heroes. Um, and, and so what a shame. I mean, we we've got enough drama and problems in this city. Um, so I, but, but in any event, um, I, I think we owe it to the three entities, right? The union, Jim Montanino and, and chief Dolan to, uh, uh, go, to not let this go, give them a chance to, to, uh, have their say, including, uh, Jim Montanino and, uh, as much as they can say, or will say, but the, the union ha has not officially done the voter no confidence yet. Is that, am I correct in that? They just they, are, they, they just forecast that they're going to or intend they to? They're actually or? doing it as an online vote. And I believe the online vote closes on Friday. Okay. That, yeah. that, that, that's interesting. And I'd like to see a list of reasons why, why they do it. So from my perspective and a lot of other people's perspective, this is a, a story that is it's still in its infancy, even though it's been around for six weeks, it's still at the very beginning stages. And there's a lot of uh, uh, lids to lift and look under uh, yeah. before I can say much about this. Yeah. And Dan, I, let me Dan, let me ask you, because 
so you you've been in in, in public service before in, in one of these roles. How big of a a this, this, the ac, the big accusation is is what Robin said about you know using this van using his car uh, the public car to go to and from homeland security training where he was getting paid. If that's the case, Dan, how how big of a deal would that be? I mean, if if, if the police chief took his car to di- you know to go do something else that was paid for by the taxpayers. Uh, if that did happen, is that a fireable offense? If, what, Where would that be? Um, I've seen that fired. If you remember, a big uh, issue with the former controller, state controller Alan Heversey, got twelve years ago, where he was uh, apparently uh, something about rides, maybe for his wife. Now that's extreme. I'm not saying that's the case here, but you're talking about theoretically, anyway, theft, right? Theft from the city, using the city's gas. Theoretically, I don't know the I don't know the the details of this, but it could it could get the allegations of theft, could get the allegations of double dipping. You know, you're on one time clock, then you're on the other, and they overlap, so you're getting paid twice. I don't know that this is the case here, but when you get into those things, they are certainly fireable. And Robin, I, I got to ask you a question because I don't know. It's it's odd to me that the uh, the the chiefs of police are are in their own union. It's almost never heard of that they're actually part of a bargaining unit is chief dolan is he management confidential which is usually the case or does he have some sort of uh, uh protections and so forth does he serve at the pleasure uh he's i believe he serves at the pleasure of the commissioner i believe okay and then uh, by the way i will i want to say that my understanding is he has all the documentation to show that he actually was not using his SSFD vehicle to go back and forth to any kind of Homeland Security training. That's my understanding. Yeah. But I also want to be clear. I don't speak on behalf of anyone here. This is just my own observations as Robin Dalton. Um, and, and you're right. There's a lot of there's a lot we don't know here. This is just. Yeah, yeah I, I think I think we could just say, you know, unfortunately, this is we're watching this play out. Uh, yeah. uh, before the before all the facts are being released, and it's just it's not good for anybody involved in this to, to 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 see this play out in the court the, the court of public uh, opinion when when we don't know what's going on. So also just we'll, 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 and the citizens and the, the, me the three of us and the other citizens when 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 you call nine one one because you're desperate because there's a, a, a an injury or a fire. You want a properly functioning fire department. Now, I, I would I would hope and think that it still is, but with all this drama going on the outside, that can't be helpful. You guys, I have to point this out. We are losing the chief of police in June, Shane Crux. He's leaving in June. We have no assistant chief of police because they eliminated that position. The former assistant chief of police has retired. We've lost multiple lieutenants in the police department. Now look over to the fire department. They're trying to push out the chief of the fire department. The assistant chief of the fire department, Aaron Dyer, is amazing, but he is right now playing three roles. He's playing chief, assistant chief, and battalion chief. He's wearing three hats. Those are three huge jobs that simply cannot be done by one person. And so, like, you look at the strength of these two departments that we rely on every single day for our safety and the safety of our our community, and they've been decimated by this public safety commissioner. It's insane. And it's going to be a lagging effect. Like it's not something you feel right away. It's going to be a lagging effect for this community. And I am like seriously, seriously worried about it, um, which, you know, all comes full circle and is why I would vote for Tim Cole for public safety commissioner. But that's a campaign pitch from their time. Um, right now, it's just it's it's truly, in my opinion, a tragic turn of events. And I hope that Joe Dolan prevails, because if I had to put together a recipe for a perfect fire chief. Um, the recipe would look like Joe Dolan. And I think he should be the fire chief for our department for the next decade plus. We would be 
lucky and it would be a privilege to have him in that position for the next decade plus. And so I hope that he prevails in this situation. But my and, and my gosh, his reputation, you know, it speaks for itself, but he should not have been put through what he's been put through over the last 10, 12 weeks. This should have been handled internally. And they should have, if they came to a finding, whether it was positive or negative, then you can put that out to the press. But he shouldn't have had to go through this publicly. This is just not the way things are done. This is not the way you treat employees. And shame on Commissioner Montanino for once again making this a story in the press. All right. All right. Anyhow, shall we bring on our special guest? Mr. Kaufman, are you there? There he is. I am. I am. And I am. The man, the myth, the legend. Hello. And I, uh, I have, I want to second um, uh, Robin's thing. I mean, I don't, I want to go on to my other topics, but, you know, he's been, he's on, been on leave for three months. And, and Montanino keeps saying, oh, next week I'm going to come out with the charges. Um, it's pretty crazy. Pretty and no crazy. charges have been brought. So, okay. So I, I've sent you guys some of the topics I want to talk about. Um, uh, I'd like to begin by talking about that insane meeting, um, uh, the five-hour meeting uh, it, that, that resulted in the arrest of Figuerio and, um, and Barr. <clears throat> um, uh, let's see. Are we talking about the February 7th meeting or the one no, following? The, the following meeting. Okay, the one in which uh, they breached that that cordon. Of the, the the Black Lives people took down the cordon that separated themselves from the council and went through. And Barr picked up um, Montanino's mi microphone and yes. started what, what, John's, what John's referring to is there were two people, Els Figueroa of Black Lives Matter, and then also a woman named Bridget. Um, who we don't we're not sure if she's in Black Lives Matter or not in Black Lives Matter. But uh, the two of them both uh, breached this uh, kind of rope that is in front of the microphone for public comment and went directly up to the city council table. Uh, Bridget took the microphone from Commissioner Montanino off the table, and they really breached the privacy of the city council. And, and John, before you talk, am I the yeah. only one that can't hear John completely? It's, it's like it's distorted. Is there a problem with my sound? I, I got you loud and clear. I have okay. hearing them It's weird. Is that my end then? Okay. Uh, so, okay. The idea that, first of all, that Bridget Barr is not in Black Lives Matter, um, the way that whole thing was done is is uh, is is troubling. Um, Black Lives Matter locally, they have no dues, they have no membership card. There's like none of that stuff. Okay, it's an informal group, um, and so. Uh, it's kind of strange that suddenly we're told, as though it's a matter of fact in the media, that Bridget, Bridget Barr is not a member of Black Lives Matter. I, um, I texted uh, Lex and I asked, could you explain to me how you become a member of Saratoga Black Lives Matter? And um, uh, Robin's been through it. Um, I got a series of texts from him telling me that I don't have any respect for him and all the rest of this stuff. But as to the question, how do you become a member of uh, Black Lives Matter? Nothing. Okay, so <clears throat> so what's happened is is that the mayor um, has uh, t instructed uh, the assistant district, excuse me, assistant 
city uh, attorney to bring an action before the court to bar Bridget from uh, bar from being able to go to any more meetings. Um, and um, the coverage <clears throat> and, and, and and Kim is kind of in a bind here, okay? Uh, because he has gone on, especially about Figuerio and the rest, that everything that they've been doing is okay. It's all under freedom of speech, um, and uh, they should nothing should be done to them. So, how is it that Barr, who did the exact same things that uh, Figuerio did, went through the the cordon, grabbed Chris's mic in his case? Uh, uh, shouted and so forth, did all this stuff. How is it that it's okay for Kim to bring this, uh, try and bring this charge, but it's not okay to do it with Figuerio? Uh, and I, let me just finish. I, I, and, oh, yeah, and, 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 and an incredible coincidence, at the same time, Figuerio announces that Barr is not a member of Black Lives Matter. Well, that's great for the mayor, okay, because um, he can do it and get a free pass. And I'm sorry, um, I think there's been communication between them. I mean, this is just too much of a coincidence um, yeah. and, and a, too much of an excuse um, for the mayor. And finally, um, the judge in it, um, Stefano, actually said to, uh, Mike, uh, to, to the city assistant attorney, said to him, I don't understand. Um, the charges against the two are the same. Um, the particulars about what they did are the same. But for some reason, you want uh, Bar uh, Bar. I love it, Bar Bard, <laughs> but you don't want Figaro Bard. Um, and uh, he really couldn't explain that. So I, I just think it's really kind of unseemly, and it says a lot about the relationship. Of Black Lives Matter to Mayor Kim. So uh, I have a couple thoughts on that right away. One is that I had looked in, I know that BLM on a national level, the entire purpose is that there's no organization, there's no hierarchy, anyone can participate in the cause, there are no memberships specifically. And so if you believe in Black Lives Matter, you are a part of Black Lives Matter. And so I don't think that, and there's also no appointed leadership. I mean, you can self-appoint, but there's no actual official leadership, whether it's local, you know, local chapters or national chapters. So I don't know how Els can say that anyone's not a part of it. It's not his place to say that, for starters. And then also, I was at that meeting. I was there in person, and they were being equally disruptive. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no question about it. They were being equally disruptive, and so it does seem incredibly coincidental, and also like very like reverse racism here that he would say that Bridget can be, has to be barred, but else can come back. I struggle to find any reason for which that makes sense, except for the fact that Bridget has a long history of mental health issues. But if anything, I feel like that should actually excuse her behavior more so than else, because she has had documented, you know, mental health issues and if she's treated, if she's on her meds, why shouldn't she be able to come back to a city council meeting? So if anything, That's, I feel like, Rob, yeah. that, that, 
so that's that that in itself is interesting because wh- how I mean you know there, there, there's HIPAA laws about that and, and her is how would that be public knowledge that that her having mental health issues? I'm just well actually De Stefano uh, De Stefano actually brought that up um, and put it to um, to the assistant city attorney. Um, okay, he said to him because um, uh, the assistant attorney said he got this information from her social worker. And the judge said to him, well, do you have a way, a HIPAA waiver? And he didn't have one. And the judge indicated that he would, that he would withhold action on this at this point, but told, um, told him, I'm very disturbed um, that what we appear to have here is a violation of, of HIPAA rights of this woman. Um, so that was, Adam, that was consistent with what you just raised. Okay, so I yeah, is, is, is that the explanation the lawyer gave? I mean, I'm just curious on, you said he, he tried to give some explanation of this. Was Can you give us more details? Was it was it this alleged mental, you know, mental disorder or mental health struggle she has? Or was there more to why they were barring her? I mean, I'm just trying to think what possibly could be the, the explanation. Well, uh, Phillips argued that... Um, uh, Let's see. His argument was, oh, that she was more of a danger than Figuerio. And he's 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 uh, he's he's right. I I think uh, even although we've we've seen that that um, that Figuerio almost got into a fist fight during one of the demonstrations. I'm sorry. Uh, No, you're fine. Bridget, Bridget, I will say, was um, more impulsive. Dan, we can't hear you. Dan, Dan, your sound isn't working. Dan? Oh, boy. The universe has muted Dan. Dan's going to stand by. <laughs> um, Bridget, I will say, was... Okay, um, there he is. There he is. There he is. I, I, just right, say, Dan, I can't hear John. It sounds like Mr. Roboto. Remember Sticks, Mr. Roboto? The whole thing. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm old. Uh, the, uh, the school's going <laughs> to age. So I can't hear him, so I, I don't have anything to comment. I'm listening. Um, Bridget, I would say was, you know, you weren't sure what she was going to do. And it was, it was evident to me that we were witnessing someone who was, who had a mental health issue. Um, I will say though, I have to give her credit. The only time in which someone took control of that entire room was when at one point she yelled, everybody shut the F up. And it was the only time that the entire room kind of stood up and paid attention and everybody did shut the F up. So I have to give her credit for that one, but it, it does seem very uh, suspiciously orchestrated, I will say, John. Well, on, on a related matter, um, for your uh, uh, Mayor Kim um, announced at the last at the last meeting that even though there would still be a four minute limit on public comment, um, that he would no longer hold anyone to the four minutes. Um, really? Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, 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 and. Uh, this goes back to the fact that he a- continually abrogates his responsibility to manage these meetings. Um, and it just seems to me um, disturbing and crazy that that means that someone can get up and monopolize that microphone for half an hour, um, meaning other people who have made the effort to go to the meeting can't speak. Well, because he's put um, it, a finite limit on how long public comment can go. Yeah, he, he had half an hour. Although he lets it, he lets it go on. But my only point is is uh, and is that uh, 
something bad is going to happen at this meeting one of these days. I mean, you can't have this level of anger and volatility. And I, I would just say one of the things that I, I, you guys must have experienced as well, because you've seen what goes on at the meetings. Um, uh, you got to see it to believe it. You know, most people, and given the newspaper coverage, terrible article by uh, Andrew Waite, um, think that this is just, uh, they're just talking too long. Um, this is hardly anything to be that upset about. Um, and that is not what's going on at these meetings. And so for him to say he's not going to um, uh, require people to meet that four minute thing is again, a further abrogation of his responsibility. John, did you think it was strange that they moved the last meeting from the music hall that's like big oh, and yeah. They moved it back into the city council room, which is teeny tiny and like literally can't fit anybody. And then as an explanation, Mayor Kim said that they just weren't expecting that many people when, if anything, the last several city council meetings, the audience has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And there's like 75 items on these agendas there's multiple presentations. And so I don't know why anyone would think there would be less people coming to the meetings. And then you have them in the council room that can only fit about 40 people. So you've got all this overflow into the hallway. You've got people who are pissed off because they can't make it into, into the room. And I, I just don't know why he would choose to do that. It was about 100 degrees in the room, by the way. Oh, yeah. It also sucks. In the, yeah, it stinks. Well, let me just go on to a related issue, and that is uh, at the meeting, they discussed the no-knock warrant issue. Um, mm. And interestingly enough, the original 50 points had an entire uh, banning of no-knock um, uh, warrants. Uh, and uh, what happened was that um, Jason... Um, uh, Golub, uh, who's the public uh, works uh, guy, um, he met with um, Kim during the day of the meeting and convinced Kim that that was too blanket a ban, um, that there are circumstances in which an armed person can be in a unit um, and it's a risk to the police lives to um, have them you know, uh, knock. Um, yeah. so anyway, so they, so they changed it. Now what's interesting is, is you can't find the revised, uh, I know. language. It's crazy. It's been over a week. Okay. Um, they, they should have, uh, they should have, have, uh, uh, modified the agenda item, which they could have done before the meeting. And this is, this goes back to my criticism of the ineptitude of, of Sangvi in terms of running, the IT department, that should have been updated so that people would know what the resolution said. Well, um, also, I just have to say that I was so kind of perplexed by this whole no-knock warrant issue because essentially what was passed back in March of 2021 was what was just passed again, which is right. that no-knock warrants are not to be used unless it's the most extreme of cases. And so that was just essentially passed again but the people who were upset about it in March of 2021 were praising it this time around because I think they interpreted it as a as a complete ban on no knock warrants because the language was so unclear because this council doesn't update their items and because of the ways in which they discuss it and present it at the meetings, which aren't necessarily accurate to the resolution they're passing. And so I was just like, 
I didn't understand the celebration around the resolution they just passed when literally it was the exact, virtually the exact same concept that had been passed in March 2021. I was yeah. What 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 I, what I understand is that is that they're banning a no knock warrant for um, you know before you can do a no knock warrant if there was a possibility that the suspects would be um, destroying evidence. You know, essentially flushing the drugs down the toilet. Now you can't have a no knock warrant for that. And the thing that's that's, that's kind of crazy that bothers me about that is that. There's the biggest crisis Saratoga's facing right now, I think, is 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 overdosing in fentanyl. I mean, I never I, you know, growing up in Saratoga, I, honestly, God, I never saw anything worse than marijuana. And now now we have, you know, now we're handing out the, the Narcan, you know, shots to save people's lives of overdose. These these drugs are are the biggest problem in our, in our streets right now. If the police have a warrant, they show up at a house. They're not going to get the evidence. It's going to keep the drug dealers and the drugs on the streets. I understand there's a lot of uh, issues with no knock warrants, but this is like the one the one item that's that that I think really can make a difference in our city is is getting you know keeping these drugs off the street and the drug dealers out of our out of our city and our neighborhood. And this no knock warrant limits their ability to do that, but. You, you know, that's it is what it is, I guess. Can I, I tell you? What? Council. But one way or the other, uh, I, you know, our IT department is just not doing it. And I have to say that emailing um, uh, Commissioner Manita uh, is like useless. She just dismisses all these things. Um, and it's really frustrating because that website is an important resource and needs to be maintained properly. And the fact is, it ain't. So I will say there's been much like other departments in City Hall, there was a tremendous turnover when the last administration left and this new administration started and the head of the head of IT and I believe the assistant head of IT both left. And I suppose there's new people there now. But when I go on to watch um, the live stream of the city council meetings, it's really confusing because there's like three different options of rooms you can watch. And I think naturally one would gravitate to the city council room to try to watch a live feed. It's not usually there. It's usually under the meeting hall. And I just, and as someone who's dealt with the back end of the city website, it is, I will say it's an, it's an absolute nightmare. Like the platform it's built on, it's an absolute freaking nightmare, but I could still deal with it and try to make it more user-friendly. And I do wish that this administration would take some effort to make it more user-friendly, especially when it comes to accessing live meetings or previously recorded meetings, because right now it's, it's not, it's not user-friendly. And when it comes to transparency, I would think the number one, the number one thing when it comes to transparency is being able to access meetings that have happened, whether right. they're live or archived. Well, all I can tell you is I'm going to be doing a blog on it. I try and explain these problems to Manita and uh, let's say her dismissive attitude about this stuff. If she, if she doesn't understand the importance of, of posting this stuff on time and in an accessible way to uh, the public, and she definitely doesn't, um, it's, it's pretty problematic what's happening. Cause it's, I have one other issue related to her, you know, this city is now committed. We, we got this grant for 16 firefighters um, that the feds are going to pay for for three years. Um, uh, at the end of the three years, we have to maintain those firefighters. OK, that is going to cost about a million and a half dollars a year. OK, 
Michelle Madigan, in a previous post on my thing, said that that is a huge crunch and said the city needs to start putting money aside to deal with it. Um, I've written the commissioner twice asking about this, and I'm ghosted. Um, I get nothing from her. I will say, John, I have heard Commissioner Songby, you know, I don't know exactly what she's doing, but I have heard her say at the city council table that she has plans to sit down and plan for the long, longer term as like she like she's observed that one of the problems of the two year term in the commission form of government is that you don't have anyone planning past those two years. And so I think that I've, I've seen her observe that this is a problem. Whether or not, you know, she's been sitting down to plan for the firefighters, I have no idea. But I would hope so, because like you said, it's kind of like you're falling off a cliff after the three years. Let me just say, um, she didn't do anything in her budget, okay? Uh, She didn't do anything in her budget. She was advised about it then, and she's not responding. Um, And I'm sorry, you could talk about the need. There's always a need for planning. In fact, the city does do planning. That a capital budget does planning. There, There is planning that happens, but she needs to... If she wants to talk about transparency, she has to answer a basic question. What are you doing about preparing to deal with $3 million? Guys, Pretty we've, simple, we've, direct question, no answer. We've lost our co-host, Dan, but he is commenting on Facebook. This is Dan. It was frustrating not being able to hear John, so I logged out and I'm watching on Facebook. I will comment here. Then okay. Dan says... Let me disclose, I am a Manita fan, but with that being said, maintaining all those videos and such seems daunting, and for the most part, I can access what I want. Nonetheless, yes, I agree, it is not user-friendly. Thank you, Dan. Dan, Dan, we don't know why uh, you can't hear John, but keep commenting online, and I will keep posting it. Um, Real quick, can we pivot and talk talk about the... um, the Ron Kim emails with all the expletives in them and how kind of shocking that was to read and shocking, although I guess not entirely surprising. John, can you give us a little snapshot of what that was for those who haven't seen your blog? Well, uh, there's been, there were four emails in which she used the F word, but the most troubling one was uh, an email in which uh, he used the F word and apparently it's been redacted, redacted, but in, in correspondence, in an appeal of it, um, uh, the city attorney, Tony Izzo, said that that was in reference to an employee. Okay, friends, this is the bottom of the barrel. Okay, you shouldn't talk about a, an employee in City Hall using the F word to begin with, all right? But to put it in writing and to copy people is just, it's stunning. Just stunning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, it, I, it, 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 it goes, it, it, you know, what we're hearing about the morale and, and the culture. Uh, and and, and it, it's, it's culture is so important in an organization. And when people go into work, they should feel like they're valued, that they're contributing, uh, that their superiors um, not only have the organization, but the person's uh, uh, best interests involved. And it just seems like City Hall right now is toxic. And, and, and it was causing a lot of good people to jump ship. There's a lot of, we're seeing a lot of um, uh, lawsuits, you know, it comes to lawsuits. And it's, it's, it, it, it seems like the culture there is not one that, that anybody really is enjoying right now, which is pretty 
uh, uh, anti what what this group ran on of inclusivity and you know and, and and building up the worker. I mean, can you imagine like if you made a mistake or if you did something that your commissioner or mayor didn't like, knowing that they would be a talking about you in this context, b would be potentially bringing you up at a city council meeting and shaming you in front of the public for set mistake. I mean, these are things that are really unheard of. Or that there was, if there's some alleged misconduct, that you're going to be a headline in the Daily Gazette or the Times Union before it's even fleshed out whether you did something wrong. I mean, like, they use and abuse these employees as if they have no value. And it's disgusting because these are the people who have put their life's work into the city, who are the experts in everything they do, whose expertise is being ignored on a daily basis and are being disrespected in the most egregious possible way at the, by five people who waltzed in knowing nothing and act as if they know everything. Why would you want to work in an atmosphere like that? And that's why we're seeing all these lawsuits for with accusations of a hostile work environment. The way they've behaved as a city council is going to come back and bite us in the ass and cost us millions as taxpayers and also affect how the city functions on a fundamental level, which is why they should all be voted out but instead, we don't have enough people running against everybody. So the people that are being challenged in primaries and in general campaigns this November, they should win because these people have done our city dirty. They have done our city dirty. And if you haven't paid attention, start paying attention. Well, well, well said. I'd like to move on to one other topic, and yes. that is um, temporary outdoor dining. Um, okay. uh, this process has been totally opaque. I can't find out what's going on. Um, I have I have texted back and forth with Dylan Rand about this. And this is kind of standard operation. Um, first, he, it, this has happened to me before. First, he tells you, I'm going to give you all the information you need. Okay. And say, okay, uh, you know, I'm going to answer questions. Then I email him again. I say, well, I haven't heard from you. And I said, oh, I've been busy with this thing. I'll get back to you. Okay. Then I wait a little while and I text him again. Still haven't heard from you. Usually it's like another extension. And then finally, after I do it like a third or fourth time, I'm told I'm busy. I don't need this, basically. Um, hmm. So what's happening with temper? First of all, what's happening with the applications? There's Salivo's already putting tables out in front of its place. OK, there's supposed to be applications approved. And the council every year is supposed to. Um, approve the fees. And I, my basic question to Dylan was, and it's pretty simple, and it seems to be an honest question and should be easy to answer, and that is, how are you coming up with what you're going to charge these restaurants for this stuff? I mean, how do you figure that out? I can't get an answer for that. I've tried repeatedly. I can't, I can't find out. Um, and, and that's item one. Item two is, is, this is my own position, but I think... I don't think, you know, the crisis is over. Um, I don't think we should be taking up parking spaces on the street for, you know, for uh, for the restaurants. I don't like the way Phyla Street looks now um, with all those. Well, they don't have them at the moment with those barriers. Um, and there should have been a public discussion about this or right, at the council table uh, involving like uh What's a reasonable amount of value to a parking space? Okay, if we're going to do it, how do we assess the value of it? There is no discussion about any of this. There used to be 
a four-person committee made up of blue ribbon people that did this. Now it is Dylan Moran with the quote advice and consent of the Department of Public Works. And to me, this process needs to be much more open. What is it costing us to do it? How much income are we getting for doing it? And is it appropriate to use city parking spaces? So for the benefit of your your uh, viewers, these are things that I think we really need to be concerned about. So uh, Adam, do you have thoughts on that that you wanna share? Yeah, well, I, I was gonna quickly say that I, I uh, unlike John, I like the, I really like this idea. Um, I think it, it kind of it, 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 the, the, the small restaurants are a really core part of our downtown and our city. It, uh, it helps them out. Um, I, I will agree with you though that I think that there, there should be you know they're, they're like everything right let's let's make sure we're doing it the right way. Let's make sure the aesthetics fit. let's look at the, the parking. You know I would argue that the parking spot, is, is most likely going to have the greatest effect on the business that's taking it because it's right in front of their business. But again, these are things that could be flushed out with, with, you know, public communication on this. Um, but, but so I, I want to say that I'm, I'm for this. I, I like Dylan, you know, really pushing this through and supporting the small business. Uh, I'd be interesting to hear from him, his side. You know, you said you talked to him about why, about, about the transparency of the decision-making process in this, but uh, Robin, what say you? Um, so Commissioner Moran is coming on next week, so we can definitely ask him some of these questions. Um, when I was Commissioner of Public Safety and we were doing this, I actually did get several calls from businesses who were upset about it because they had businesses that didn't have uh, brick and mortar on the first floor, but relied on the parking spaces that were around the restaurants for their clients to use to come, whether they were attorneys, architects, um, contractors, whatever, what have you. They had businesses on the second floor or they had businesses that weren't uh, retail or restaurants. Like adjacent, yeah. Yeah, they were adjacent. And they just were upset because they were like, there's so much value to the sidewalks and there's so much value to the, to the parking spaces. And basically they were saying, you're picking one industry and giving them like a huge financial advantage. And there are all these other industries that aren't maybe as visible, but that still contribute to Saratoga's tax base. And like, we're not getting anything. And so they felt it was really unfair to them. Um, and so, you know, I think there's some validity to that argument, certainly. Um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, I, that's I told good. them that's valid. Um, but at right. the same time, I recognize how important it is for us to sustain our restaurant industry. And and so I think it's a, I think it's a really tough balance. I think, um, oh, I think Dan might be back. And there, I'm going to keep talking, but um, I think establishing a fee structure is really important. For some reason, I thought there was a flat fee of a thousand dollars, but I could be totally wrong. Well, they're, they're um, I do think that the fee structure should be based on square footage because some restaurants have um, a really wide area, like a significant area of sidewalk that they can expand their tables into, and some restaurants don't. Um, and so, I think it should depend on the square footage and the number of tables that you're able to set up. Um, in terms of your outdoor dining and what you're being charged by the city. I also know as the mom of four young kids that sometimes it can really disrupt as a pedestrian how you're able to walk down the sidewalk. And I sometimes think that's not totally great. And I think that should be something that's taken into consideration. I'm out of my double stroller days, but if I was back in my double stroller days, it would be um, not awesome sometimes um, how I'm having to navigate the outdoor dining to get to say like Congress Park. Um, but generally speaking, I, I do think it's important that we continue to make sure our restaurants thrive. I know walking down Caroline Street now and seeing Sperry's closed and then seeing the vacant lot next to Sperry's still vacant 
And just seeing Hamlet and Ghost open on that one block is really like heartbreaking for me. I hate seeing vacancies. I hate seeing it's really distressing to see shuttered businesses in general in Saratoga. And oftentimes those shuttered businesses are residents. So, um, you know, I think there's a tricky balance there. Um, I, I also just have to say, you guys, because I'm slightly distracted at the moment. I got in well, touch let me, with let me you. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Just there should be a public discussion. Last, last time, barriers. Uh, for the for them to have the sidewalk and uh, to for the city to provide the barriers, um, uh, I I think there there should be a public discussion about about uh, what the policy should be about giving away or charging for city property to be used. To me, that's something that deserves a discussion, and I think. Um, given the fact that all, most people would love to have control of the parking space in front of their their house or anywhere else, I think there needs to be a discussion. And I'd be curious. I know I'm all for outdoor dining, but Adam and uh, and Dan, um, do you think that uh, the city should get some sort of money for giving um, restaurants um, uh, uh, the, this this space? Because right now. Uh, most of them, it, it's pretty much for free. Since, since I've been off for a while, I'll, I'll kind of, I, I love your idea. Sounds like you're proposing a, a hearing, perhaps, a public hearing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that idea because, you know, there's, there's two reasons on both sides, right? Restaurants struggle. We try to help them with the pedestrian issues and, and more. Um, I think it was Jim Martinez on your blog that commented on, it was you or him that commented on the architecture it's sort of right. like scaring our beautiful art. So there's a lot of reasons, pro and con. I'd like to hear them all out. And then, and then yes, come to uh, a proper payment and a hearing would be a good start. Adam? Yeah, I, I, John, I, I, I completely agree that, you know, unfortunately, all right. Uh, unfortunately for governments to operate, they have to tax. This is a form of a tax. Um, there's a value added to the, to the, to the property. Um, Robin suggested a, a fee based on square footage. I would I would lead toward more of a, a per seat charge, you know, so you'd have to lay out, right, this is what this is what the tables layouts are going to be, you, you know, in, in each seat. But but again, it comes back to your this would be good public discussion to have as far as uh, uh, what exactly this looks like. But who knows, maybe maybe Commissioner Moran will come around and probably too late for this season. But but this is something that's that's evolving in Saratoga and it should be. It should, it, being a democracy, it should have you know input and weigh in from the community. But let, let me just interject on this. Um, I do appreciate with all the negativity going on in this city lately, and, and it's just overwhelming. Um, I, and, and I'm not dismissing your concerns, John, but I'm happy to see a, a uh, somebody on the city council taking some initiative. And I, I think they all do. I'm not slighting or I'm, I'm slighting some, but this one is a is a front and center one. It's a prominent one. It's essentially positive, even if the details bring bring a lot of valid questions. But sometimes I'm just happy to see an initiative. I, the initiatives I, have been shoved aside <laughs> with all the chaos. Dan, I I I, I agree, but the I I but it, I just I, I agree a hundred percent. And 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 uh, but but it it needs to be tempered. 
Um, and I don't want to be, you know, ugly about about Dylan, although it's it's very difficult to get information um, out of what's going on. I mean, basic stuff here. Uh, uh, what's the status of applications for 2023? Don't you know, know. I think we can safely say that the group that ran, um, you know, a year and a half ago to be elected to the city council, they all ran on establishing great channels of communication from city hall out to the public. And I think across the board, universally, they have all failed. I don't think any of them are good communicators. I don't think any of them use social media well. I don't think, I really just think they have all failed in terms of their communication efforts. Okay. Um, some more so than others. Before, I just want to thank the three of you for having me on. Um, I, I, I watch your, your show regularly um, and uh, it's always very stimulating. And it's kind of an honor to be, to be among the three of you. Oh, well, oh, thank you, John. <laughs> we feel the same way. We we're happy you come on. Yeah, I, yeah, actually, Dan was really pissed about it. That's why he dropped off. I didn't want to say anything. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. You're saying Dan didn't have technical issues. Dan has technical issues every week. It's just a given. It's just in what form, when, how far into the show. Dan, I think I think I think Commissioner Mita's IT department was trying to shut you down, John. <laughs> shut down Dan instead. Dan, He's gone. And he's gone. Oh, there he is. No. There he is. All right, John. Well, I'm going to think we're heading it. We're just hitting an hour. So I'm going to thank All you right. so much for coming on. We really appreciate you. you. SaratogaSpringPolitics.com. Thanks so much, John. All right. Bye-bye. Have a good one, John. Guys, I'm going to wrap up, but I got to do a cheer and jeer. And I got to do a cheer that's like super distracting right now because, but I'm like super impressed by it. Is that all right? <laughs> can, I, can I dive into our cheers and jeers? Sure. Let's do it. So literally like two hours ago, I looked outside my window. Like you can't really see, but like, whoop, can you see? Right. There's my window. It's like right there. And there was a tree branch that was like split in half that looks like it was going to fall. And my office is right on the corner of Broadway and Caroline. And I was like, damn, that tree branch looks like it's going to fall. And if it fell, it would fall like on top of the top of Caroline Street, like onto cars and people. So I reached out to DPW and I was like, I'm concerned about this branch. They had the city arborist here within like 30 minutes. And then within an hour and a half, they have guys up here taking the branch down. I mean, it was like an hour and a half turnaround. I am so impressed. Like props to DPW. That was the fastest response. It's like lightning fast. I can't believe it. But I mean, the, I mean, the branch really did look precarious, but I am so impressed with how quickly they got out here. So like major cheers to DPW. Um, that is talk about responsive. Like wow. So if you hear like um, the you know the thingy do the the you know, chainsaw. Thank you. The chainsaw. The thingy. I'm a man. I know these terms. Yes. If you're hearing a chainsaw in the background, that's what the chainsaw is. So like major cheers. Um, and then I also have to give my jeer, but it's kind of like a fun jeer. Your boy from last week, Adam. Your jeer from last week. Talk. Bye-bye, Tuck. Bye-bye, Tucky Tuck. Um, it would be deeply happy to see uh, Tucker Carlson part ways with Fox News. Deeply, deeply happy. Although it kind of made me sad that Don Lemon left too because I am one of those liberals who love Don Lemon. And I was just... Oh, yeah? Well, according to Don Lemon, you've, you've peaked. You're past your prime. I mean, I kind of agree, and I kind of feel like every day when I wake up, I'm a little bit past my prime. So there might be something to that, Don Lemon. No, but I mean, you, you, you know about the comments I'm referring to that he made. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. It, it was... It was, it, he was, I know, he was, he said some really dumb things, I think. I know. You know, but 
I still uh, anyway. I have his book. You know, I'm just one of those people. I'm, I'm, I, I, I liked him through the good and the bad, but, um, yeah. but, but Tucker was, a Tucker was a good one. And I, I expect we'll see more Fox people go. Sorry. Watching the street come down is like really fascinating. You guys, I can't help, but keep walking, watching the, the uh, branches. Well, while, while you're doing that, I'm going to jump in with my, I don't have a jeer. I've got an observation and a cheer. Uh, the observation is there's, there's two colors in the spa city that are just totally dominant. One is good. One is a little uh, uh, different. The green is coming out. The leaves are. Uh, you know, you look I was wondering green. where you were going with that, Dan. I know, <laughs> me too. I was like, huh? The, the, no, but the second one is kind of telling. The, the the trees are getting greener and greener, and that's making me happy, right? The the leaves are full unfolding. Some trees are still bare, but you know it's just a matter of time. That makes me very happy. The other trouble, the other color is necessary, but it doesn't make me happy, is this construction orange. There is construction seemingly on every street, not just the main drags, the side streets. You know, Union Avenue, Henning, uh, Lincoln. I was on Crescent Street today. It's like there is orange everywhere. Lincoln. And I, I guess uh, theoretically that's a good thing because the streets are going to improve or get better. But I've never noticed this much construction in the springtime in the spa city. And maybe it's just me. I don't know if you feel the a same A lot way. of it is national grid, FYI, because I actually asked about it because I was like, what is going on? A lot of it's national grid. Huh. Yeah, it's happening right outside of my house. It's gas lines. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, they're digging. You're right. They're digging deep over there. I noticed that. And the, the micro trenching for the sci fi. Yeah. I mean, the, uh... the micro trenching is super exciting. I actually really would like to get Commissioner Golub on here to try to give us an update on the micro trenching and where we are with laying fiber. Because maybe once the fiber's laid, Dan will be able to make it through a freaking podcast <laughs> without losing his Wi Fi signal. Right? <laughs> I think it might be a local thing in this office, but uh, yeah. Sci-fi, we need you. Dan needs you, sci-fi. <laughs> so just real quick, I just want to update folks. Um, in the next couple episodes, we have a school board election coming up, and we have reached out to almost all the school board candidates at this point because we'd like to have them all on to talk about their platforms and why they're running for the school board so you all can make an informed decision before the school board election, which I believe is on May 16th. I could Her, be making that up. You're but correct. I, it's okay. It's May 16th. So we will um, aim to have the school board candidates on, on our May 10th episode. Um, so again, they can talk about their platforms and everyone can make an informed choice in that very important vote. Um, if you're listening and you happen to be a school board candidate, um, please contact us. Uh, we would love to have you on. Of course, we have a new email address and I'm spacing on it right now. It is actually info at I don't know why I said I was basing on it. It's info at the Saratoga podcast.com. That's info at the Saratoga podcast.com. Um, we will also be reaching out to you proactively. So look for Robin, Adam, or Dan in your inbox. In the meantime, I think that wraps us up. We're just over an hour, guys. Did, did Adam get his cheer and cheer? Did you have one? I, I didn't, but I don't really. Oh, I just sorry, Adam. To, uh, no, it's no problem because I didn't really have a cheer or jeer. Uh, I did want to, you know, say about the, the school board candidates. There was a uh, uh, some uh, uh, a Joe Sabanos uh, who announced his candidacy too. Somebody we weren't aware of, but we there's there's now a fifth candidate for school board, which is great because you know the more options we have, the better the better choices we get. Uh, so we're we're interested in learning what he's all about. So that's all I have. I don't have any cheers or jeers today. So on that note, guys, stay charming, Saratoga. Over Thanks. and out, guys. Thanks for watching, folks.